Welcome back to Think Deeper. We're excited to have you join us this week. I'm your co-host, Will Harib, joined by Joe and Jack Wilkie. We've got a an invigorating episode lined up for you today. Before we get to that, I uh, want to make mention of something that we talked about last week, something that we are super excited about here at Focus Press, and that is the uh, second, I say annual, I don't think we had it last year, so I don't, know if, I don't know if you can technically call it annual, but it's the second time we've ever ever held a benefit dinner going on for the work at Focus Press. That is going to be on April the 4th at the Winchester Church of Christ. Uh, tickets are $7. This is something that we'd love to uh, see as many of our supporters uh, attend uh, as possible. If you are free on Tuesday night, April the 4th, and can make it down to the Winchester area, obviously that is going to be something where distance might limit uh, some people from joining. But if, if you're if you're able and if you've got the night free, we'd love to see you there again. Uh, we're going to be providing dinner. Uh, it's going to be $7 a person. But then we're also going to be kind of previewing just a lot of the stuff that we've got planned uh, for Focus Press, some, some of the ways that the work that's going on here is going to grow, some of the things that we want to expand into. Uh, and so if you'd like to get a kind of a first glimpse of that and, and an in-person glimpse of what that's going to look like, we're going to be going over that there. Myself, Joe, Jack, and Brad uh, are all going to be speaking, going to be covering various things about the work at Focus Press. And so, yeah, again, we, we'd love to see everybody there. It's something that we we could not do what we do here at Focus Press without those that support us, um, obviously financially, but not just financially, those who do stuff like listen to our podcast, those who visit our website and, and buy books and things. And again, we could not do what we do without all of our supporters. And so first of all, we're very grateful for you if you are a supporter. But secondly, if you are available, again, April 4th, we'd love to see you Tuesday night, Winchester Church of Christ dinner. I'm, I should have looked at the time before. I think it starts at six. I'm, I'm going to say six because I think that's right. Um, but if you go to, to our website, focuspress.org, there's a big uh, banner uh, with a link to where you can go register for that. If you have any questions, give us a call, shoot us a, a Facebook message, whatever. But I think that's the only thing we wanted to preview, uh, the only thing we wanted to advertise for this week. Uh, again, if you have any questions, let us know. But guys, let's get into it. I'm I'm very excited for this week's episode. Jack, why don't you take it away? Oh, boy. All right. Uh, so... A lot of folks are on Facebook. A lot of people that follow us are on Facebook. And so that's our source for this episode. Uh, he's not here to defend himself. And so uh, we're, we're going to be taking this and running with it, I guess. But uh, Dr. Brad Harab, who we work with at Focus Press, Will's dad, had a post a week or two ago. And we, we let it kind of die down at first. It was very controversial, very spicy there for a while. I think it's upwards of 350 comments uh, in the replies of people it's the most engagement he's gotten in a law very long time very long time very controversial not only 350 comments there but people sharing it and giving their 64 shares 64 shares and people sharing and and posting their add-ons or agreements disagreements and through all of it and and then i had posts about it will had posts about it that also took off and and it was on a very specific topic but i think and i think you guys agree i think what we're going to get into today will reveal this the topic itself is important it's very important but it also the way this all went down opens us up to errors in bible study errors in hermeneutics errors in critical thinking that are rampant in the church today that we want to attack that we want to get out in front of and and really try to have them really mitigate this kind of thinking so let's start with the post and specifically with the topic. And then in the second half of the episode, we're going to get into the broader ideas of how to approach the Bible, how to discern these things for ourselves to we to where we get the biblical worldview applied to it all. So because so real quick, real quick, Jack. To, so with the post, obviously, there, there was a lot of things that just simply we disagree with, but it illuminated, which is what Jack is saying. It illuminated all these problems that we're seeing the, the bad, the poor exegetical study, the, the poor approach to a a topic, how people approach. Correct. Exactly. You could tell there were just a lot of people that, that, you know, Googled Bible verses about X, Y, Z. And so that, that is what kind of spurred us on to what we're going to talk about for the latter half of this episode. But Jack, go ahead. Right. So the post itself, and this is something in a year plus of the podcast, we have not done this of like an episode based on a Facebook post because, but we're doing it because it was that big of a deal, that controversial, that widespread, but also because of of the lessons we think we can be taken from it. So what he was posting about was the idea of voluntary singleness and not just voluntary singleness, but voluntary singleness for the purpose of 
I don't know, for self, really. I'll, I'll read a little bit. He he says, I'm going to pick on Christian young ladies. I often pick on Christian young men, but it's the young lady's turn. Uh, he speaks of yet another uh, Christian young lady who doesn't want to settle down and get married. She doesn't think she wants kids. She wants a career and really enjoys being able to travel. She wants to post videos and pics on social media and try to become an influencer. And right now, here's the sad part. Right now, many of you are probably thinking, so what's the problem with that? And the comments revealed that that was true. Uh, and he says that she's blaspheming the word of God because the word of God says, you know, young women, this is the role cut out for you. Uh, and then uh, narcissistic, self-centered goals leave God and his glory out of the picture. Um, let's see. Uh, God instituted marriage and therefore it's good. Uh, children are a reward or a blessing and not desiring them is kind of against nature. Um and so all of these things were kind of the claim of this very common thing for young people to go, you know what, I don't think marriage is for me, and so I'm going to, you know, if I get married, I would have to settle down and not live this way. I want to keep doing these things. And this is something we've talked about a lot, the Instagram lifestyle. And so a lot of comments on that and on the kids thing. Well, not everyone's cut out for kids, not everyone. And so there were counterpoints made, there were scriptures brought into it, but this was the question is, are people supposed to get married? Is that generally something the church teaches? And the conclusion, most people, I would say most, you guys probably would say most, but then again, squeaky wheel, all that, it might be the most loud, most vocal, most disagreeable people in it, were saying, all choices are equal. Just do whatever you want. It's okay. It doesn't make a difference. One is not better than the other is the conclusion most people have drawn. And that's what we want to address in this first half where we're dealing with the argument itself about singleness and then relatedly about children is the question, is marriage preferable to singleness for the Christian? And so that introduces the, the, the topic that we're on this week. Let's get into that. Um, I guess, Joe, make the, the steel man case for the other side uh, of, of what people were bringing in. Uh, what their scriptural case was for saying all options are equal. Sure. So everybody, or almost everybody, went to 1 Corinthians 7, which is, I, I guess, where you would probably want to go um, for this, uh, making the steel argument when I don't agree with it. But, it, you know, we'll try to do our best. Um, I'm going to read just the start of 1 Corinthians 7, just so everybody knows what we're talking about. Now, concerning things about which you wrote, it's good for man not to touch women, but because of immoralities, each man is to have his own wife, and each woman is to have her own husband. The husband must fulfill his duty to his wife, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise also the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. We're starting to get into it 5, 6, 7. Verses 5, 6, and 7. Stop depriving one another, except by agreement for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer and come together again, so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. But I say this by way of concession, not of command. Yet I wish that all men were even as I myself am. However, each man has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows that it is good for them if they remain even as I. But if they do not have self-control, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. So, if I were to steel man this, if I were to make sure that or try to give the best approach, what I would say is Paul is clearly saying that there is an aspect of, of singleness being preferable. He's able to serve God better. He is not running to or allowing his, his lustful passions to drive him toward marriage. And so he's taking what God has blessed him with, this ability to be single, and he's using it for the glory of God. Therefore, there is no option that's better than the other. If the woman wants to stay single, then, hey, Paul wanted to stay single too and even said that people should be as he is as a single man. So if that's the case, if we're supposed to be like Paul, Paul is calling us to that. He's saying it's better in that situation for us to be single. And so at the very least, we can say that they're comparable. They're equal. That, I believe, was the the line of reasoning, at least initially, that they went to. And the second would be Matthew 19, which, of course, is the marriage, divorce, and remarriage uh, passage about the gift of, or those who make themselves eunuchs for the sake of the gospel. Some are born that way, right? But some are... Um, some make themselves eunuchs for the sake of the gospel is what Jesus is saying. And so it's possible that some young women and, and young men decide that, hey, they're going to be eunuchs, quote unquote. They're not going to pursue that part of themselves and they're not going to pursue marriage. They're going to go out and live life. And so Paul and Jesus are both saying it's fine. Is that is that fair? Like, is that the steel man? I would I say guess? that's a pretty good, a pretty fair characterization. Like, 
again, you go scroll through. I would say uh, of the 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 comments that were uh, disagreeing, goodness, eighty percent, eighty five percent brought up First Corinthians seven, and I don't know how much how much more we want to steal man it versus go ahead and get into why that is to to me a poor uh, example of Bible study because I mentioned earlier. It seemed like a lot of people just Googled, hey, what are the Bible verses about singleness? And 1 Corinthians 7 popped up, and then that's what they just put in the comments. So that's, that's what it appeared. Because if you study if you study the entire New Testament, not to mention the entire Bible, where one of the very first, what is the very first thing that God said was not good? Man to be alone. What is the very, what, what was created before sin entered the picture? Marriage. You would kind of think that would make it important. But um, when you look at 1 Corinthians 7, obviously it's a, it's a really long chapter, but he, he says, Several times, there are several places where Paul is making the point, remain as you are. Uh, He says that in verse 8. He says that in verse 24. uh, He says that in verse 26, verse 40. Clearly, there were some some things going on at Corinth. There there were some things going on in the church. There were some things going on in the culture to where Paul was, really, he was making the point, look, it's, it's better to remain as you are. Verse 26, he talks about because of the present distress. Now, do we know what those circumstances were for sure? No. Do we know what that present distress was? No. But what people can, can tend to do to, when they're bringing up stuff like this is, well, what about 1 Timothy chapter 5? In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 14, Paul says, Therefore I desire that the younger widows marry, bear children, and manage the house. So is Paul contradicting himself? Was Paul saying something totally different to the Corinthians that he was saying to Timothy? Or was there something going on at Corinth to where Paul is saying, in a general sense, it's better to remain in the state that you're in? I to me, you, you read the entire Bible, you read the entire New Testament, and you cannot come away with the picture of marriage and singleness are on equal playing fields, that, the, that, that either option is fine, which is, again, to be quite honest, the way that because of 1 Corinthians 7, I kind of always grew up just without doing any deep study on it. That's always what I kind of thought is, oh, Paul was single, Jesus was single, Paul said it's better to be single. So sure, I, I guess singleness is something that is just as good as marriage. Got to take a deeper look at the text. I've been talking a while. Jack, you take over. Well, with that idea, I mean, a very situational thing in First Corinthians, because as you said, elsewhere he's saying more generally they need to go get married, and and you can picture a situation in which this would uh, like play out. Okay, let's say you know World War II, um, and there's the draft or whatever, or especially if you were in those countries over in Europe, you're in France, you're in Poland, you're in wherever else, and I mean armies are marching through, it's it's going to battle. And if, if somebody just says, hey, you probably shouldn't go getting married and having kids right now, probably not a great idea. You know, you're going to be uh, pulling a family into this in a time where you're not sure you're going to be able to eat. You're not sure you're going to survive. You're not going to sh- sure if you're going to have to go fight or whatever else. This is not the time for that. Now, what? imagine somebody like reads a note from somebody to that that says, hey, don't, don't go look for a wife right now. And if you're married, probably not a good time to have kids. Any of those things... And then makes that a universal principle right, at any exactly. given time. This is this is a preferable thing not to get married. No, it's, I mean, he references that there is a situation because of the present, you know, distress. And so this is Jesus not a... Jesus says the same. Yeah, Jesus says the same. And, and he talks about that, like you're saying, Matthew 23 and 24, when he's talking about my interpretation, the destruction coming on Jerusalem uh, is, he says, better are those who are not pregnant in that time. You know, woe to those that have children. So surely, surely, yeah, surely Jesus meant just don't have kids, that it's bad to have kids, Yeah, universally, Jesus was saying, boy, kids are not desirable. That is a bad thing. No, there are times at which, you know, having, and I mean, look, how many superhero movies do we have this where I can't, I can't have you as my girlfriend or as my wife because my enemies will, you know, like, I can't, uh, you know, pursue this relationship right now because the bad guys are going to come after you kind of thing. Like, we understand sometimes it's probably preferable to not have a family tying you down. And that's exactly what Paul's saying is there's a reason for this. There's a time for it. And for Paul specifically that he could devote himself, he says, if you have a, a wife or you have a spouse and kids, your duty is to them, where he's saying my duty is only to God and, and to the church. And so... That, on the other hand, you know, some would take that as, okay, well, then if you can be single, it's better to be single. No, having a spouse and kids is a really good thing for the church. It's a really good thing God wants people to do in general, I think, is the case we're going to make. And so, man, First Corinthians 7 is so specific. And to make it this generalization, and what you would almost have to argue is that Paul is saying singleness is preferable. But nobody was arguing that. They were just using it to say, see, you can do whatever you want. It's okay either way. No, if you're going to use it that way, follow your own logical conclusion. 
but it doesn't mean that either. And Paul is using, what does he say in verse 7? He says, I wish all men were even as myself am. That's their champion passage. However, each man has his own gift from God. This is a gift from God. This is the, the gift of celibacy. Whoa, whoa, Joe, Joe, to... you mean the gift of singleness, right? That's the same thing. Yeah, right? that's that's what it is, yeah. And and that's how we take right, it, right? Exactly. That's how we take it is, well, oh, well, I just am gifted with the ability to be single. Wrong. If if you don't have much of a sex drive at all, um, to be honest, that's exactly what I think he's talking about there. Because right after, there are those that burn and their passions and their lusts. For all of these women, for all of these Christians, these young single women, these young single men that are going out on their own, how many are addicted to porn? How many end up getting in relationships where they get in trouble in the relationship, they're sleeping around, things like that? And even if they don't, they still have the passion and the desire for sex. So what we'd have to say is all of those that have these these gifts that are going to go chase the Instagram lifestyle, they literally are asexual. They are they they don't have any desire for sex at all. That seems to be what Paul is saying in that context. That's a gift that very few are actually blessed with. And that that's the that's the key difference here, and why that to me that's very poor Bible study. Just pull this verse out of context is because you think about the way we view the word singleness today. That's not the way that Paul. That's not Paul's definition. When Paul says, "I wish everybody were to remain as I am," we we slap our modern day version of singleness onto that when they're not at all the same. You know, again, the, the spirit of the post was we've got people that are wanting to go travel and live their own lives and basically not be tied down to, you know, it, it began a very selfish uh, motivation for it. You think that's what Paul's singleness was all about so that he could just go travel and kind of enjoy himself? Paul was dedicated to, to spreading the gospel and Paul was dedicated to living a life solely devoted to God. That's not the same thing. And before we get to the next, I want to transition into the next point of our outline. Hold on. Kids, but not yet. I was going to say, I'm not ready to get there yet because we're still, from 1 Corinthians 7, this may be a hot take. Um, people aren't going to like to hear this. Women need to be under a man in every occasion. It's not good for a woman to be outside of a man's rule. The widows are to be under the authority of the men in the congregation, under their care and under their supervision and support. Later in 1 Corinthians 7, he's about to say daughters are to be under and to submit to their fathers, and wives are to submit to their husbands. And so a woman single or not, whether you are a daughter, a widow, or a wife, is always to submit to a man. A woman who's going out and living the Instagram lifestyle is not under submission to any man and is doing whatever she wants. That's something nobody really wants to discuss here. Nobody wants to touch because, well, you can't say that in this culture. We actually can say that, and it's necessary that we say a woman does not thrive. Name one woman that has truly thrived in life by rejecting what God has called her to be, which is submissive. It doesn't happen. You say, well, there's plenty of women that have made money. No, I'm talking women that are fulfilled, women that have reached their full potential and fulfillment where they're not having to take the happy little pill. They're not on antidepressants. They're not on any of those things because they're struggling with themselves. The women that are most fulfilled are submissive to the men in their lives, whether their father, their husband, or the elders of a congregation. Well, let me flip it to the other side for a second before I hand it back to Jack in the sense that, you know, I don't want any guy that's listening to this to be like, okay, cool, well, that means I can go be single and, and live my life however I want. The way that I, I structured this when I was talking to, to some people about it was, look, I've got a 15-month-old son. Am I going to raise him with the mindset of, all right, Jackson, single or marriage, just pick one. doesn't really matter. If you want to be single, go for it. If you want to get married, go for it. Really just you decide, no, I'm not going to. I'm going to raise him with the I'm going to aim him towards marriage. And one of the reasons for that, specifically for guys, is what kind of culture are we living in right now? Hypersexualized is the way that I would put it. Hypersexualized. And so I, I, I don't see, specifically in the United States of America, a position for a – again, you have those exceptions of the people that don't really have a sex drive like Joe referenced earlier. But, man, for my son to be 25, 27, 28 and not married and just living the single lifestyle – that is that is a lifestyle that is wrought with minefields of temptation that I don't think really anybody is capable of handling. But again, we, we take something that to me Paul was clearly saying was his idealistic wish. You know, hey, in a perfect world, I wish everybody was just like me. Why? Because you're going to be less distracted and you have more time sp- you'd have more time serving God. Yes, that's a given. We, we understand that. But to me, we take Paul's idealistic wish there. And like Jack said, we make it a universal principle and say, oh, OK, so that means they're both equal when they're clearly not. Yeah, so one of the other things I would say is even Paul's ideal isn't the ideal. Like, I mean, you go back to Adam and Eve, the ideal is 
godly man, godly woman, godly offspring, and that there is a godly ideal for singleness. But singleness is an exception. Singleness is a minority role, and it always has been in human society. We are the first society that has decided that up until 30 years old, you don't need it. I mean, this is so ahistorical, so out of the norm, that again, the birth control pill and things like that, porn, are are facilitating this because it's not natural. And so you've got that issue. One of the things people say is, well, I'm single and I don't want to be, and you know, and it's like that, yes, we acknowledge that, and that, there's a lot of people. We had an episode on singleness last year with uh, Carrie Gillis, who, that was exactly what he said, is, look, I'm looking. I would love to be married. I have not found the opportunity, and and so people will say, well, what about you know that situation? There's a lot of people that want to be married and can't, so that sing- being single is not a sin. Stop making everything whether it's a sin or not. That's not the point. The point is not it's wrong to be single. The point is what should the normative teaching for the majority of human beings be? What should we aim people towards? What's the pursuit? Yeah, Right. What is the the normative teaching of the church? That is, grow up, find a godly spouse, get married, have children, raise them in the Lord. That is going to be what most people should want. And if if, if somebody has the gift of celibacy and decides, you know what, marriage just isn't for me. I I mean, we know missionaries, single men who just... was not for them at all. Okay, that is exactly what Paul's talking about. They can dedicate themselves to that and and do things, go into maybe more dangerous areas they wouldn't if they had a family. I've got considerations of things I can't do in ministry, uh, and not that I'm complaining, but that's just the reality of it. These guys don't have that. To bring it back to Brad's post, because we, we always end up arguing on different battlefields than it started out on. What he started out on is people very selfishly saying, I don't want to get married because if I got married, it would tie me down and I wouldn't get to do all the fun stuff I want to do. That is a whole different thing than, you know what, I don't really have that drive to get married, and so I'm going to volunteer for the Lord. And in past times for young women, that would be staffing at an orphanage. That would be, you know, nursing. That would be, uh, I mean, just all kinds of child-directed, family-directed, you know, like, love and care, things that women are good at, but they just didn't have the desire for marriage, they didn't have that that angle in life. Things like that were created for the rare situation where that occurred. That is nothing like what we're dealing with today. And so, if you're going to claim the gift of singleness, which we, again, don't really agree with is something that's there, or the gift of celibacy, okay, Use your time for the Lord, not for yourself. That is that is not what we're talking about here. And and to say, well, being single isn't wrong, therefore whatever I do with my singleness also isn't wrong. No, there is a way to be wrong in this. And again, the normative teaching of the church for almost everybody, save for a few exceptions, is you should be looking to get married to a godly spouse. God says, or, or rather Paul is in talking about the sexual part of it, I think it's really important that we point out, again, few people are given that, but if you can be fulfilled in God, what is the purpose of sex? It's really about intimacy, it's about a fulfillment, it's about a husband and wife being known completely. Um, We need to be known completely. It's good for, for, or it's not good for man to be alone, but sex is on that, that spectrum. Well, if you don't have that desire, then that's why it's so important to give your life over to God is because God can fulfill you in ways that other people, other humans cannot. But we still have the desire to be fulfilled, and so it's really important that either we're giving it all to God or we're pursuing relationship is, is what I was going to try to say. Will, what you got? I was just going to move us into the next uh, area because uh, kind of a, a fruit of this, something a kind of different branch of this argument has to do with children because in in – uh, Dad's original post that the the primary focus was singleness and choosing to be single just again for because you want to have your fun and, and live your own lifestyle. But in in related in that was this idea of children, you know, pushing children off and and not desiring children. And so a lot of people also took issue with that in the stance that uh, which we have have uh, made this uh, our position on the podcast before that hey if you're a married couple and obviously you're capable we're not talking about those who are incapable of having children. But if you're capable of having children and you're actively choosing not to, that that's something that is pretty contrary to God's design. But again, that was something that a lot of people took issue with as a product of this post is that, hey, just like with marriage and singleness, either one is fine. People, it's, You can choose what you want. You can't put yourself in other people's situations. People went and made they made that same application to kids that if, if two people are married, if they want to have kids, great. If they don't want to have kids, just as great. No problem. You can pick either one. 
We don't believe that. We think God's word clearly teaches that if a you have a married Christian couple, they should be looking to have kids. They should be actively seeking children to pass their faith on to. Uh, go ahead, Joe. Why? That, I was going to ask, why? Why do you think God made it that way? Why do you think it is better, or did he say that we and as married couples should be having kids? What's the purpose behind it? Because it's one thing to say, well, the Word of God says it. God has a purpose behind everything, and if it was just the Word of God, we should still do it, but why do you think he said that? Well, so much of the Bible, go back to the Old Testament, is built on the foundation of God's people doing what? Passing their faith down to the next generation. You see that with the Israelites. Obviously, you see that in the New Testament with Ephesians 6 and, and other places, and for a married couple to have the mindset of, well, that, that's really going to kind of be an inconvenience. And, and again, I hate to preface this every time. We're not talking about people who can't have kids, people who actively choose not to. Well, that's kind of an inconvenience, and we both work two jobs. We're just too busy. That's not something we want to do. Man, that that is something that is, again, completely contrary to the way God designed it because so much of the Bible is, is spent talking about, hey, pass your faith on to the next generation. Man, how many times do we belabor the point that the church is shrinking? You know, everybody bemoans that, oh, the church is shrinking. You want to know a guaranteed way to make the church shrink even faster? For Christian people, for Christian young people to A, stop getting married, and B, stop having kids. That is going to be a real surefire way to make sure the church continues to shrink. Because think about this from it. If everybody took this singleness position, well, it's good to have, it's good to be single, which a lot of young people are these days. If everybody takes that position, we, we put it out to the fullest extent, the church will go extinct here, in which we know there's always going to be a remnant. There will always be some. Thank goodness other people in the world don't believe what we believe in America. But the church in America will dwindle and die out in 50 years if, we can, if, if everybody were to kind of take this. I don't think you need to get to that pragmatic level. It's just, it's human nature, number one. Number two, none of this that we're discussing would be possible without things like the birth control pill, without things like porn, without things where people are directing those drives that they have in the wrong direction, in, in like, we're stepping in. Because, well, we're going to, I mean, like, go back a couple hundred years and tell, you know, ask a couple, are you guys going to choose to have kids? Like, well, we're a married couple, and you know what married couples do, and you know what happens when married couples do that? In most cases, children result. Well, we've decided, well, we can block that, and we, we did episodes on that. You want to go back and look uh, at, for the Dr. Brad Harib given kind of the biblical worldview on fertility practices, but it's just a reality of human nature, and so you've got to be messing up with, messing with your hormones. You've got to be stepping in and essentially playing God to make this choice. And so when Christians say, well, if a couple doesn't want to, it's, uh, no, you're playing God to a degree. You need to realize that. And the other side is there's always the arguments. The arguments with getting married are, you know, I just, it's it's not for me, or I've had relationship trauma, or, you know, bad for things that are from my parents that I don't want to pass on to somebody else, so I'm not going to get married. And with your kids, it's, you know, it's a really bad world. It's a bad time. It's a difficult time to have kids. It's it's always been. It, I mean, there, there's, again, there's been world wars. There's been famines. There's been all kinds of things. There's never a, an ideal time to have kids. Um, you know, just, well, I don't want to pass on. I, I'm just not a kid person, or I, I would struggle to be a parent, or I'm just so busy with other things. There's all these things like, this is the point of kids. Kids teach you to be a better person. Kids teach you the world doesn't revolve around you. I sent you guys a an article in which the actor Seth Rogen was talking about he and his wife had chosen not to have kids and, you know, for their careers. And basically, we're just so fulfilled in all that we do. And we're, we're the smartest we've ever been. And we're the most accomplished we've ever been. We wouldn't have been able to do any of this without kids. And it's like, okay, my children are going to live eternally. Nobody's going to remember your stupid movies in 20 years. Uh, like, why is this the most significant thing? Why? Is, and that's somebody who's really famous and rich. Imagine all the people making that decision to go work, uh, you know, menial jobs. Like, there, there's not, you know, boy, this this great life that I have to build for myself. No, these things matter way more. We're we're just losing that view as a society. Number one, but I mean, just there's so many reasons of well, it's not for me. It's not, you know, we have other priorities or whatever else, and I wouldn't be good with kids. Yeah. Kids stretch you. Kids, again, as I said, teach you you're not the center of the universe. I've made this point before, and so I'm not going to belabor it. But you go back to be fruitful and multiply, take dominion over the earth, like fill the earth, all of that. Number one, that requires getting married, as we just talked about. Number two, it talk requires having kids. 
And I've said that on a podcast before. We had YouTube comments saying, well, how does that still apply? That was just to Adam and Eve. That's not true. It was to Adam and Eve and to Noah and to Noah's sons when they came off the ark. Again, fill the earth, be fruitful and multiply, have these offspring. Children are a blessing from the Lord, Psalm 127 says. You've got all these scriptures indicating this. And my only question to that would be, if that doesn't apply anymore, when did it stop? Right. And how would we know it had stopped? When was that revoked? That's what's so frustrating is with, with both of these topics, it seems like a lot of people truly believe that we are so culturally advanced in America that we that our culture basically overrules what was back in the Old Testament. That our culture basically now has, has overwritten what has been the case for all of human history, for God's people. Again, I keep going back to this. For God's people, like uh, Jack brought up with Adam and Eve, hey, be fruitful and multiply. Pass your faith on to the next generations. Get married. This was the norm. This was what people did for centuries, for thousands of years. And now we think because we're so advanced in our Americanized culture uh, of, again, a really a bunch of lives that are driven by selfishness, lives that are driven by let me accumulate as much status, as much wealth, and as much comfort, luxury, and enjoyment that I can, forgetting the next generation. Again, the, the selfish society that we live in to me is the, is the uh, villain here in all of this. But I, I do truly wonder, based on a lot of the comments that we got, do Christians honestly believe that we have, quote-unquote, outgrown the Bible, that we've outgrown the way the Old Testament was written, uh, what God has always expected of his people? Because, again, a lot of the comments that we got would seem to indicate that is the case. And if you go back to Genesis 1, where he's laying out, be fruitful and multiply, he talks about in verse 27, God created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, verse 28, and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it. A couple points out of this. First off, I do think the family mirrors the Trinity of God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, mother, wife, or uh, husband, wife, and kids. I think it, it mirrors the Trinity of God. I think this was God's plan from the very beginning to have a triune nature that this this bond of three cannot easily be broken, right? He's going to say in Ecclesiastes, Solomon says that. Um but the other part of this is to subdue the earth. We are to have dominion. We're to subdue it. And the only way we can do it, and I think this is passed on in a very spiritual perspective now through Christ, to subdue the earth. To And this gets into Christian nationalism, and, and there's, we got an episode on that too. But how are we to do it? By having kids. Be fruitful, multiply, and subdue the earth. How are we going to fulfill the Great Commission? By having kids and having those kids go out and make disciples as well. It's not just this... Well, we'll I'll make a disciple, and and I won't have any kids, but I'll just try to make as many disciples well, as possible. Well, that's that's part I, of it. Is I that it ranges into the Old Testament was physical, New Testament was spiritual thing, and how we reproduce now is disciples and evangelism. And God doesn't care so much about kids anymore. It's just not true. I mean, like the Genesis nature did not get revoked. Uh, Jesus is the new Adam, but that doesn't mean we stop. Uh, again, you still have the sexual desire. You still have, you know, the goodness of children. Children didn't stop being a blessing and all these things. Like, all of the arguments that somebody would have to stand behind to really hold to all of that. You you can't just, you know, take the, the arguments on the surface that help make a point. You have to take the whole package. And part of that whole package is kids don't really matter anymore. And and God doesn't care about that anymore. Like, that's not it and at the, all. All of those things the, are still applicable. The be fruitful, multiply wasn't just to fill the earth. Well, the earth is filled. We don't need to do anymore. It was to subdue it, which again is still taking place. That is still in effect, in my opinion. Those those aspects are still in effect, and we're robbing ourselves of one of the greatest blessings that God has gifted us with. And again, being able to to um, mirror the Trinity of God and and what a special privilege it is to be a family. That's one of the best gifts that God created. We're the pinnacle of His creation. And what does he say as soon as he creates the pinnacle of his creation? Be fruitful and multiply. Basically, get started creating more of you because you are the pinnacle. At what point have we stopped becoming the pinnacle of God's creation? At what point? I mean, that's something that these people have to, to ask themselves is, is a kid the pinnacle? Is, is Are humans still the pinnacle of God's creation? Because if they are, we need to fill the earth with even more of them. That's a really good thing. So, yeah, I, it's, I want to transition into... Or unless there's more you guys want to get into, but I want to. I, I wanted to what the way I wanted to to introduce this particular section because I, for if I understand right, that's kind of the first half of what we wanted to hit on, and now we want to kind of lay out so many of the bad arguments that are used when things like this are are posted, when things like this are stated, and and the evidence really of this is, can you imagine if somebody got up in the pulpit today and said. 
every Christian couple should be actively trying to have kids. If you are single, you should be actively pursuing marriage. What would the immediate response be? Wait, wait, but, but, but what about, wait, but what about, what about, and all the, the exceptions, right? All the qualifications, all the, all the caveats that have to get thrown in there. We've lost the ability. Again, you got a Facebook post where the general principle was, hey, Christian young people, specifically Christian girls, should actively be trying to pursue marriage. And that got 350 comments. That got 300, and 300 of them probably being incredibly, uh, you know, disagreeing with that with that particular post. You can't have a Facebook post that says, "Hey, Christian couples should actually be trying to have kids" because of all these bad arguments that are used. And so that's what we want to get into here. We've got several that we want to talk about. Uh, I don't know who wants to get into the first one. It's kind of this idea of of the scripture wars, pitting Bible verses against each other. That's something I've been railing against for years and years and years is you've got a verse over here, you've got a verse over there, you know, okay, well, we're going to say be fruitful and multiply, and somebody's going to come in and say, well, Paul said it's good to be single. What are we supposed to do with that? Go, oh, I guess the Bible contradicted it. It's almost like in, in football, the offsetting penalties. Well, there's a holding on you, and there's a face mask over here. So we'll just so redo it. Neither one of them counts. Count. Yeah. yeah, neither one counts. That's how people argue with the Bible. And you're essentially, what you're saying is the Bible contradicted itself, therefore we don't have to apply either of these things. It That works great for a Facebook comment. People like to really think they came in and dropped the mic. Mic drop, I right. got. I told you guys how sick I got of seeing people, I mean, like for the 38th guy in a row go, well, in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul said... Yeah, we know. We heard that, man. Like, And the idea that it, Brad was going to post it and the first person comes and says, well, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 7 and Brad, after writing out this whole thing, is just like, oh, I forgot. You know, grabbing his head like, <laughs> how oh, did I miss that one? It does say that. Never mind, everybody. Like, come on, guys. It's so annoying. It's so, it's just bad Bible study. Again, if you want to make your implication that the Bible contradicted itself, therefore it doesn't apply, we got a whole lot bigger fish to fry. That's the wrong implication. You've got to figure out how does this fit in context? How do they not contradict each other? How can we understand these verses in a way that doesn't contradict each other? And we can do that. We can give you something. Uh, the, the principles that say Christians should pursue marriage and how Paul's words can fit into that. Which is, again, it was idealistic. It was for a certain situation. Most people are not going to be able to do this. That fits perfectly for everything that we're saying. How can you fit your, oh, they're all the same, fit with the things that elevate marriage as a positive, as an example of Christ in the church, as something that God gave to Adam and Eve and said it's not good for man to be alone? You can't. And so you're using scripture against itself. And again, if you think the Bible contradicts itself, just give up the whole thing. Don't care at all. Don't pre even pretend that this matters to, to bring scripture into it. But Jack, you got to pay attention to the uh, cultural context. And, you know, these are, that, that Genesis 1 is cultural. And so that's just to Adam and Eve. And so, you know, we start getting into the culture and you go, okay, well, the whole Bible, I guess, is cultural, so nothing applies. At what point is there anything that was written to well, somebody no, 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 in court that applies to us? Paul wanting to be single, that wasn't cultural. That's universal. And, and it applies very specifically in this thing we've developed here in America in the last 15 years. That's not cultural. You know, or situational. Right. Genesis 1 is cultural. 1 Corinthians 7 is cultural. Look, you have to understand the context of, of what each of these is. But again, that's where we start getting into is you can pin the Bible against one another so much and you can claim cultural so much that nothing has any meaning. How do we know baptism wasn't cultural? How do we know there are all the other things about women's, women's roles? roles? Well, right. that's all that's all cultural. So I guess we should have women preachers. Like, where does it end? We can use that for our advantage in saying... You know, maybe again for Genesis 1, or we can then forget about that when it comes to 1 Corinthians 7 and say that's universal. But it goes back and forth of like, what is actually universal? There's Bible study principles that have to be in place. Even within 1 Corinthians 7, Paul says, you know what, I, I wish you could be single. I understand most are not going to be able to do that. It's kind of his implication because you're going to burn with passion. And he says, if you're going to burn with that passion, you need to go get married. Let them marry so is an imperative. It's not a suggestion. Right, like go get married, go take care of that in the only way that God has given you how. I mean, that was something I loved with a lot of the arguments we faced was, you know, God doesn't care one way or the other. Like, well, God gave 99 point however many percent of people a strong sex drive and then locked that sex drive away behind the bounds of marriage. I think he cares. I think that is something we're supposed to take away from that is, huh, God wants us to pursue this. And so... Again, but you start pitting scripture against itself and the whole thing just falls apart and then we don't have anything to stand on. And that's what you end up with with this idea is this theological minimalism of, well, you got that, I've got this. 
You say tomato, I say tomato. We anything don't really need goes. To teach anything. Right. Any, let's just love one another. With. Yeah. Let's just yeah. love one another. Love God, love others. And and yeah, theological minimalism. That's I, all we got to do is be nice. And this and is that's the, what Brad violated. That's what Brad violated was he crossed the line of be nice, and that's the one commandment that matters. Exactly, exactly. I, I want to get to because that that uh, dovetails was perfectly into another one that we wanted to talk about as far as some of these these bad arguments that people use. We've got to stop ignoring the normative principles for the sake of the the you can't bind it arguments that we got a buddy good friend of focus press real good friend of jacks his name's daniel mayfield and i don't know if i should have asked his permission before reading his posts on uh, the podcast no, he'd be but good uh, yeah he had such a, a a perfect post that epitomizes what what we're talking about here with these normative principles he said uh, this is on his page i see many who cannot tell the difference between wisdom and law we hear wise sayings and shout you can't bind that Wisdom is not the same thing as law. It's the difference between legal foolishness and what is prudent. It is the difference between a diseased tree and a fruitful one. It's the difference between bad and good, good and better, better and best. Uh, he goes on to say, uh, let's see, he says, We must learn again the value of wisdom. Do not shut down the Lord's servant for bringing wisdom. In truth, we'd often rather do what we want to do with no mind for where it might lead, but wisdom is always justified by her deeds. And man, have we... 100% seen that played out not just with this post but with other issues that well you can't bind that when when you're when you're stating something that is a clearly a a wise scriptural principle somebody will always jump to the you can't bind that hey the the wise biblical principle is for young people to pursue marriage hey well you can't bind that singleness is is, is fine that that's not the point we need to be able to speak wisdom we need to be able to get up in pulpits and say this you know they're not on the they're not on the same playing field they're not equal you need to be able to say these basic biblical principles that are again the norm that are something singleness is is not a sin but it is the exception singleness was never meant to be the norm and so man we've lost the ability to do that but i would also that kind of dovetails with another one of these in terms of bad arguments you know you got the scripture wars pitting against one another we need to learn to acknowledge normative principles but you just touched on another one how easy is it to hide behind the exceptions we have to stop hiding behind the exceptions. Well, it's a, it's the same thing, Jack. I think you had had somebody you post about um, returning the carts back, right? The That's a big carts thing. Shopping carts at grocery on, stores, right? Yeah, the shopping carts at grocery stores, like basically to show that you're kind of in control, or that that I don't know. It's almost a check of a good citizen type of thing. Of hey, make sure you put it back. And then you got the people that always come. Well, what about those who don't have arms? What about those who are in wheelchairs? What about the? It's like we're not talking about you, are we? Can we have the, this goes to the normative principles, but it goes to the same thing, those dovetail, those are those go hand in hand. We can point to the exception, and as long as there's one exception, well, that's the, the rest, thing. If, it's, if it's you're not the exception, don't apply the exception. Well, here's exactly. the thing. As I, I make this point, I've written on it, I talk about it, I use the term human shields, because that's what they do, and it is just as despicable. It is the person your dad was talking about, the person who selfishly is like, I'm not getting married because that would slow me down, or I'm not having kids because then I would have to have less vacations and it would inconvenience me. That's the person who drags over the couple that struggles with, with fertility issues. They can't have kids, so don't say that it's good for Christians to have kids. We're not yeah. talking about them. That's horrible. Nobody's talking about them. We're talking about you. Uh, you know, the person who, again, Instagram lifestyle, I don't want to get married. And then they'll find the Christians who want to be married very badly but just have not found the right fit, and they'll drag that person over. Oh, so you're saying they're in sin? No. Nobody's talking to them. They're not They're not a part of this at all. Somebody who wants to be married but has not had the opportunity, it has not, you know, God has not blessed them in that way, nobody is condemning them. Nobody's holding anything against them. They understand the value of marriage, in fact. You could learn a thing from them, but to hold them up as the human shield is is very low, is is just something that, again, hiding behind the exception so that we can't teach normative principles. There's always going to be exceptions to almost everything that we teach. That doesn't mean we can't teach anything anymore. Truly, I mean, like when you go, you get up to preach on gossip, you know, there's some people that are that are deaf and, and mute, you know, that can't speak. And so that's just is really insensitive to be speaking on gossip. Are you serious? Can we say that gossip is wrong? There are exceptions to the rule where some people don't have the ability and that doesn't make that any less true to say gossip is wrong. There are some people that don't have the ability to have kids. Doesn't make it any less true that we ought to be having kids where possible and they miss the tone, but that's what they do is there's, we, we spoke on this on a think fast, the tone police. Well, you can't say it. You shouldn't say it in that way. You haven't considered all sides. Like, no, I have considered it. I'm still putting this this principle forward because I think it's right. But, Jack, you had mentioned another one. 
We talked a little off air about it, but I want you to get into it and explain a little more, and that is the Mott and Bailey fallacy. Yeah, I think I did this on one of our early episodes, so early listeners might have heard this before, but it's like the the favorite argument tactic on the entire internet is so Mott and Bailey was this castle structure where there was kind of a low village like that was kind of easily accessible and then a castle tower that was up on a hill that was a lot harder to attack and so what people do is they put out an idea that's that's easy to attack easy to disagree with maybe that's pretty controversial and when you attack that they run back up to the castle of the uncontroversial and pretend that's what you're attacking so to to lay this out, the Mott and the Bailey here, and I can't ever remember which one is which, the controversial would be, it doesn't matter what you choose, if you want to go travel the world rather than get married, that's fine. And so you disagree with that, and you push back on that and say, here's scripture to believe otherwise. They run back to the castle of, oh, so you're saying that uh, being single is a sin. Like, no, no nobody ever said nobody, that. Right. <laughs> nobody ever said that. But if you continue pursuing your point and attacking the point that, that they're standing behind, that, that more controversial point, they're going to equate it to, well, you say singleness is a sin. I, you see this all the time. When you understand this argument structure, somebody explained it to me, or I read it somewhere a few years ago, and it like a light bulb clicked. I see this every time I see an argument on Facebook, Twitter, anything like that. Somebody pulls this. Oh, you're attacking this, you know, and and this thing that nobody would disagree with. They're pretending that oh, you're you're going after that. Nice try, buddy. And it, it, trying to make the argument look bad. Of you're saying single people are sin. Look at mean old Brad saying single people are in sin. Nobody ever said that. You're changing. You're you're just completely logical shifting fallacy, the argument. Right. Yeah, it is, and and it's just a dishonest way to argue it. Argue, and that's one of the things that's most frustrating about this whole thing, and why we we wanted to look at this is Christians don't argue with each other in good faith in, in, on a lot of these things. It's not honest. It's not trying to hear out what Brad said. What Brad said, again, if you remove the whole like the idea that singleness is a sin, which he was not saying, which none of us are holding to, is not being said by this podcast. The idea of Avoiding marriage for your selfish pursuits, we should be able to agree that's not right. Uh, we should be able to agree that when Seth Rogen in that article, I mean, it was Seth Rogen and Dolly Parton and Oprah all talking about, well, if I had kids, boy, they would just hate me because I'd be I'd be working all the time and I, I wouldn't have time for them. Like, yeah, that's not a good thing. And we should be able to agree that's not a good thing. Oh, so you're saying that it's a sin if somebody doesn't have kids. Well, what about... It's so frustrating. But Jack, what if you hurt somebody's feelings? What if you hurt somebody's feelings? You know, this goes against what you're not going to win them to Christ in reading these. You're not winning them to Christ. And meanwhile, it's like, no, you're losing everybody from Christ because you won't stand for anything. Right. And that's what I want to get to. So, again, to transition us here, because I don't really have I don't really have anything to add there. Those are just those are some of the bad arguments that you see played out. You saw we saw we personally saw it played out with this post. Um you see it in other areas too. Again, kind of hiding behind the exceptions, uh, the the failure or the inability to acknowledge normative principles, and then that Mott and Bailey fallacy. But to transition us here into kind of where we want to wrap with, all three of us were, were texting each other while this was going on a couple weeks ago, and the word that that came up among the three of us quite a bit was discouraging, depressing, even that 350 comments, bunch of Christians, absolutely lashing out at each other and, and completely seeming to be on two opposite ends of the spectrum about a very important issue, a very important issue. This is not, you know, the, the proverbial uh, padded pews, color of the carpet type of disagreement. This is a, a central biblical issue that so many Christians, again, seem to be on two different sides of the canyon on. And so as we wrap here, or as we get to the last section of this podcast here, that's what we kind of want to acknowledge is we're not just seeing a cultural divide, um, you know, in our society. We, we're seeing a divide in the church as well. Uh, we're seeing a culture shift, a culture divide in the church between those who, again, want to hide behind the exceptions as a justification to live whatever kind of lifestyle they want to with theological minim- minimalism, the, the minimal, what's the bare minimum bar of Christianity that I have to uphold. Okay, I'll, I'll reach that bar and then I am done. Don't ask me to do anything else versus the people who are like, what's going to make me more holy? Is, is, is pursuing kids and pursuing marriage, is that going to make me more holy and more Christ-like? 
you've got those two different camps. And again, it's not just this issue. I don't want to isolate to this issue. You've got modesty. The people that are like, okay, what's the bare minimum of modesty that I have, modesty standard that I have to, that I have to reach and uphold. And then you have the people that say, okay, what is going to make me more Christ-like? What is going to make me more holy? This applies to to all kinds of issues, issues that we've addressed on this podcast before. And again, there's so many people in the church that say, nope, you can't raise the bar because of the exceptions, because of the the things, all the things that we've discussed. And so what I want you guys to speak to, and I guess all three of us to speak to as we wrap up is, man, not to, to take it into any kind of a dark place, but what does the future look like for a, a church that is clearly so divided you know, within itself among this, these cultural print, these ideas of family, these ideas of reproduction, these ideas really of how to live. Again, I bring up modesty. You've got homeschool, public school, all, all these things about how to live in the, in the American world that we live in. Man, what does the future look like for the church when we've got these two vastly different sides that are seemingly, again, completely opposed? So in, I, I waded into the comments for like five minutes of this whole thing and then was like, you know what, I no, I'm not going to do it. But one of the things in the argument I, I had with somebody was I said, look, you worship the gods of the age. And uh, that was considered a little extreme. I don't care. What is the god of the age? The god of the age is self. The god of the, god of the age is me to the point where somebody can say, I'm a man, I'm a woman, I'm a 12-year-old boy, I'm a this, that, this. And we go, okay, because God forbid we blaspheme against the God of the age, which is the self. God forbid we tell the self, no, you've got my truth, your truth. Well, we can't ever disagree with that. So we're going to have to uh, just entertain that and, and accommodate that really more than anything else is we have to serve this God and whatever this God wants, this God gets. And that's exactly this. That's why you have so many of these things that we talk about that Christians look at and go, well, whatever you choose is fine. It makes no difference. You know, it's just, it's up to the individual because self is the God. Either self is the God or Christ is Lord, but you can't be both. You know, we love talking about the early Christians. They had to choose between Caesar is Lord and Christ is Lord. Well, this is what you got to choose between. Christ is Lord or I am Lord. And and when you see this, you see how much I am Lord is there. You can't tell me. I want to, like, it, it, who are you to say what's right for somebody else? We're not saying it. it's in the Bible. It's it's right there. In fact, we had a guy who was calling it heresy to say this. I mean, like, you could quote him a Bible verse, and he's like, that's heresy. That's pretty alarming. Because, <laughs> it, it, in fact, but honestly, it is. It is heresy against the God of the age. It's heresy against the God of self. It's telling that God of self, you're a liar, and we're not going to listen to you. And he would not entertain it. I mean, Second Timothy, when he talks about they won't endure sound doctrine, this is what we're talking about. I wrote on this a while ago. Sound doctrine is not baptism instruments. Sound doctrine is being a Christian husband, being a Christian wife, raising Christian families. The stuff he talks about in First and Second Timothy, managing your money as a Christian and your work, and you know all of these things that we do in our day-to-day -day lives. Sound doctrine is the teaching on that, and they're not enduring it, and calling it heresy even because it runs afoul of the God of the self, and that's something that we have to. We said it was discouraging, but it really to me it just shows us where. We've got to roll up our sleeves and get to work. And that is 2 Corinthians 10.5, tearing down strongholds, killing the God of the age. And that's telling Christians in our churches, you're not God. You don't get to decide for yourself on all these things. It's been decided for you, and you, you agreed to that when you went down to baptism. You didn't just agree to get your sins washed away and get to go to heaven when you die. You agreed to put to death the God of the age, the God of self. Are you going to do it or not? I take a very uh, discouraging approach, I guess, where we go from here. We're going to have to get real good about what division looks like, uh, just to be quite honest with you, in my opinion. We're going to have to get, well, you know, unity is very important. Yes, it is, until you have people that literally will not put to death the God of the age, in which case we need, we, we must understand the difference between when we seek unity and when to divide. And there's a time and place for both, but... To be honest, what you're talking about, Will and Jack, is you're referencing, what we're seeing is a bunch of Christians who I do think are failing to climb that holiness mountain that I've talked about before, where the air get or the air gets a little more rarefied. Like I don't know, you know, you're going to need an oxygen mask, and that's the mask of faith, the oxygen of faith and of the spirit, and and you're calling to something that you can't accept that teaching on your own. That's going to have to be through faith, and it's going to have to be through your pursuit of God and pursuit of climbing that holiness mountain. Well, we're seeing where people are dropping off. 
And what I'm afraid people will hear is, wow, that's really arrogant of them to say they're more holy than me. This is, Jack, you had a great article on this. Somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to be higher up the holiness mountain. So let's stop, let's stop pretending like we're all in the same boat. No, we're not. We're not. Some people are truly climbing the holiness mountain and, and pursuing God and pursuing holiness in every way. That doesn't make me perfect. That doesn't make me better in terms of, of you know, more valuable or anything else. It means we're trying to get this one right. And the people who fail to put the God of the age to death absolutely are failing to get this one right. So, and, and they don't want to. And that's the problem. That's why I think we're going to have to get pretty smart on what this looks like going forward in the next five years. I don't see a lot of these people sticking with it. The question that, that I would encourage every Christian to ask themselves is, are you truly letting Christ rule over all of your life? Because what we see, man, we, we beat young people to death about how they're just so invested in the culture and, and culture kind of, you know, determines the way they think. That's not just young people. That's a lot of older people, too. Again, based on what we saw uh, over the the events of the last few weeks is that we let culture rule over all, all over most areas of our life. Like Jack said, the, the areas that we don't let it rule over are we don't sleep in on Sunday mornings, we got baptized, we don't worship with instruments. That can't be the only common ground that we hold. As far as the Christians across this nation, that cannot be the only ground that we hold. That anything else goes, that you can wear whatever you want, you can raise your kids however you want, uh, you can do whatever you want to with marriage and, and view it however you want. We, we can't make baptism instruments and not sleeping in on Sunday mornings the only, uh, again, as the, the only uh, unifying factor between all of us. There's got to be more. There's got to be a culture that Christianity creates to where Christ does rule over every area of our life. Does it mean that we're going to be perfect in every area? No. Does it mean that some are going to be have a better grasp on these these elements of wisdom than others? Sure. But what matters is the ability to be able to self-examine your life and ask yourself, does Christ rule over this? Am I open to discussion here? Because, man, one thing we saw from this from the events of the few of the of a couple weeks ago is people were not open to this. This is something that people got so defensive and just so upset about. And it's like, let's have the conversation here because again, we don't believe anything we have said in this podcast is controversial. If you're if you want to disagree with, hey, Christians should pursue marriage and Christians should pursue kids, Again, that, that's arguing with Scripture. That's arguing with the way God designed it. But the fact that we have so many people who did disagree and, and, and do get upset and call that controversial is what scares us. But again, I, I want to challenge everybody listening. Be better with your Bible study. You know, be, if, if you're somebody who typically hides behind the, the exceptions, the, the person with no arms that can't move the shopping cart, um, if you're somebody who normally uses the Mont and Bailey fallacy, man, that, that's something that we've got to get past and, and be able to study the Bible better exegetically, to be able to study context better, to be able to not pit Bible verses against each other. There's just so, we saw so many areas of growth. And again, we don't want to make this all a negative episode. Areas of growth for the positive, I'll, I'll put it that way, for every Christian. And, and as as we try to live in this culture, because I do sympathize with people, we're trying to figure out how to live in this culture. But this is a culture that is completely antithetical to Christianity. This is a culture that is putting Satan worship on TV. This is a culture that absolutely despises anything to do with good, anything to do with righteousness. We can't envelop ourselves in this culture. We have to combat it. And so, again, that, that would be my, those would be my closing comments for this as we try to figure out how to live in this culture. Got to combat it with every single thing that we can possibly do. I want to say one final thing. that We talk a lot about finding joy in Christ, and then we talk about these things, the meat and the potatoes of living for Christ. And a lot of times I think people like think these are separate things. You know, you, you find joy in Christ, and then we have these debates over how you, what you're supposed to do. Joy is found in the submission. Joy is found in dying to self. And so when we're encouraging you to do this, it's not being mean. We're being mean to the God of self, for sure. We are telling that we're spitting in the face of the God of self. But what we're doing is saying... There's so much joy out there. There is a better life for all of us in submission to Christ. And, and we've just got to believe that and pursue it. And and denying that from people and saying, don't teach this stuff. You can't bind that because, you know, it's going to hurt people's feelings and people can do whatever they want. You're denying them that joy in Christ. You're keeping the, uh, all of us, as Will was just saying, from that deeper unity. We're losing all of that when we won't talk about this stuff and won't go down these roads. And so we have to be able to do it. Uh we want to thank Brad for the uh, the pot stirring, I guess, unintentional pot stirring maybe, that uh, led to uh, this discussion. Uh, again, 
think about how you approach scripture. Think about how you argue scripture and, and not using it against everything that Will just said. Anything else we need to say before we get out of here? All right, again, I want to remind you, the Benefit Dinner, focuspress.org slash benefit. If you're anywhere near Middle Tennessee or Winchester, join us uh, April 4th. Uh, it's going to be a great night. We'll look forward to that. Um, Will, we, we brought up Daniel Mayfield on the podcast. Uh, Who Let the Dogma Out is on its way back. Uh, and so on my other podcast, a theology podcast. A little sneak peek there. Uh, I like have, it. A little sneak peek. I thought since we're talking Daniel. This is news will, to me uh, too. Yeah. Uh, and so if you haven't listened to that podcast, there were 12 episodes last season. We're going to do another season here soon. Uh, go get caught up. And so that's coming back as well. Always more content from Focus Press. And uh, we'll be talking to you guys next week. Thank <laughs> you.